pruning is the necessary act of spiritual subtraction for the sake of supernatural multiplication. The work God does in you and on you is essential to what God desires to do through you for his glory. God isn't creating new wounds by pruning. He's exposing old wounds. You haven't let him heal yet. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Leader's Cut. I so enjoy getting to sit down with you every week. Uh, I've really enjoyed some of the sit-downs we've had with some of my friends uh, to impart some things to you. And today is going to be a conversation just between you, me, and the God of the universe. And uh, if you already press play on this bad boy, knowing what the topic was, first let me just say I'm proud of you. We, you truly are a people of the cut. <laughs> because I know that when we talk about pruning, it's not necessarily... Uh, our favorite thing to experience. And let me just say before I pray, uh, part of the reason I'm teaching on this right now is I am presently in a deep season of pruning uh, and totally transparent. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I love what it produces, but I don't like the cuts like this. Uh, and I kind of say that tongue in cheek, uh, but also just saying it, it's, it's not easy. And I want to make space uh, for all of us who might presently find themselves in a pruning season, but also try and kind of go after and lovingly pursue the heart of those whom God has called into a pruning season that they are presently rejecting. So let's pray and invite the Spirit of God into this conversation as the surgeon of heaven to prune our hearts because we were created to be a people of the cut. Spirit of the living God, I hesitate to even say thank you for pruning us. Um, but it's what you do with those you love. And while it's excruciating, uh, you don't prune out of anger. You most definitely prune in love. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you would apply the salve of heaven to any and every wound in our hearts that would open a door for a spirit of fear to bring a narrative that we must reject the pruning season because it's going to hurt us more than it's going to help us. God, that's not how you talk. Your pruning isn't designed to inflict pain. Your pruning is designed to bring you glory. So Holy Spirit, I pray you'd be pleased by this conversation. I pray that you'd not allow my flesh to get in the way of your spirit. And we just tell you, we want to hear from you. We don't want to hear from Preston. We want to hear from you. One word from you changes everything. So Holy Spirit, come. Come Holy Spirit and speak. We desire to hear what you have to say to us. We open our hearts to receive it now. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right. Let's, if you got a Bible, jump into John chapter 15. Uh, I'm still kind of fighting a little bit of sickness, so I'm sorry uh, if I sound a little bit off or, or cough a little bit during this. Uh, I'm going to try and keep it shorter just so I don't cough through this whole thing. Uh, but John chapter 15, one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament. I know I say that a lot. I just love the book. You know what I'm saying? But John 15, there's so many things about being God's friend in this chapter. But the first two verses, Jesus is bringing us into a conversation about the essential nature of pruning in our lives as Christ followers. So let's read it together. John 15, starting in verse one. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine. Your translation might say, I am the vine. And my father is the gardener. Your translation might say vine dresser. We, we kind of quote this, say uh, like this, I am the vine and you are the branches. It's kind of how I remembered it when I was a kid, but that's not how this verse goes. Jesus says, I'm the true grapevine and my father is the vine dresser, the one who cares for the vine. Verse two, my father cuts off, here's the pruning, every branch. Okay, this is aggressive pruning, uh, and, and you'll see the difference. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. Here's what we have to remember in this conversation, and it's part of why we call this podcast The Leader's Cut. One of the marks of the people of God is they are those who allow the pruning of God. The people of God always embrace the pruning of God. Now, before we jump into the points, uh, and, and I even explain what pruning is, or how to know you're being pruned, I, I have to give you a little bit of a caveat. Uh, the one-liners in this episode are cutty cutters. I mean, I, I'm going to try not to raise my voice at all with these, because it, the the knife just seemed so sharp as he was cutting on me that it, it was just like, eh, eh. so I'm, I'm going to try not to get too riled up. But these one-liners that I felt like the Lord gave me um, as I studied for this are expensive. All right. So kudos to you if you make it through all of this. All right. Because I'm living through it and I'm still trying to make it through it. Okay. A question that you might be asking is, but how do I know? If I'm being pruned, uh, I don't know that I can give you a perfect answer to this question, but I'll give you my perspective of what I've experienced through a good number of pruning seasons. One of the first ways to know that you're being pruned by the Lord is you're experiencing excruciating loss on multiple fronts. Now, that does not necessarily mean God is taking everything away from you. It's just experiencing loss. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's the loss of some funds. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship. Just because I experience a loss of relationship doesn't mean God took the relationship away. But it does mean he can use the loss of that relationship as a part of his pruning process. One of the ways I've just learned that he has me in a deep pruning process is I'm experiencing really difficult loss on a variety of fronts. Here's another way to know that you're being pruned by the Lord. You're feeling or experiencing overwhelming challenges 
on multiple fronts. So you, you have loss on multiple fronts, but you also have challenges on multiple fronts. Or you might use the word fires. There, there's just kind of fires in a variety of places. Uh, that typically, for me, has denoted a pruning season where God was after something that was very deep in me. And to the extent I was experiencing the level of the fires and the number uh, of the fires is the extent to which he was going to do that deep pruning work in me. Here's the third way uh, that I've kind of learned to realize I'm in a pruning season and not just under attack. And I would say it like this. It's a disorienting season of despair. Now, not necessarily a despair that remains. It can even be a despair that comes and goes. A pruning season is typically a disorienting season of despair with a surprising desire to quit something you never thought you would quit. I need you to let that set in on you um, because I've, I've heard myself say in the past, I've never even thought about giving up on this uh, but I, I feel like I'm having that thought multiple times a week. When it, it first started happening to me many years ago, I, I didn't know I was in a, a pruning season. But it is that when despair starts to come and it, it starts to kind of lull me into thinking about quitting something that I never thought I would quit, I'm in a pruning season. And part of the reason, I, and I've learned this about me, maybe you're not like this, but one of the reasons in the past I've thought about quitting something is I was, my flesh was really just saying, we want out of this process. When I was less mature uh, than I am now, I'm not saying I'm the most mature, but just when I was less mature than I am now, I didn't understand that's what I was actually saying. I want to quit because this is hard and I don't want to be in this process anymore. Okay, Doesn't mean you will quit. But it's just one of the evidences that you're probably in a pruning process. So let's, let's walk through six of the really important whys behind God's pruning. Here's the first one uh, we need to understand as we walk into this. Pruning isn't punishment. Another way to say it is the why behind God's pruning is not God's punishment. I think a lot of us, when we think about pruning, because we have such a negative uh, view of pruning, we think it's punishment. And, and I've even heard people say, well, I'm going through this really hard stuff because God is just mad at me for something in my past. Okay, that's not how God talks. Let me show it to you in scripture. Psalm 103 verse 10. We all talk about verse 12 as far as the east is from the west, but we forget about verse 10. God has not, which means he does not. God has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Can I get an amen? He's not got you in this difficult season because he's punishing you for something in your past. So if you're believing that lie from the enemy, you need to unchain from that shackle. You need to get out of that because it is holding you hostage. You're not going through difficulty because God is pissed at something in your past and therefore punishing you in your present. That's not how he operates and he tells us that much in his word. He doesn't punish us according to our iniquities. Wait a minute, Preston. So God doesn't punish sin? No, no, no. No, don't take it out of context. 
here's the way I would say it. God doesn't get even with us through consequence. God got even with us at the cross. Sit in that cupcake. God got even with me by enacting justice upon his son for what I did. So God's not punishing you for something you did, all right? You need to understand, and I need to make sure you understand this. God's pruning is not your punishment. Here's another way to say it. Today's pruning has more to do with tomorrow's promise than yesterday's penalty. God's not pruning you because he's mad at you. All right? But here's another thing you need to remember. God's not pruning you because you're failing. This is what we see in John 15. God is pruning you actually because you're succeeding. The way I like to see it, pruning is one of God's divine compliments. (laughs) We should probably just get, get it together and start to see pruning as a compliment from God. But most of us, because we hate it, look and go, this sucks. This is punishment. And God's going, no, this, Preston, I'm complimenting you. you. You've been experiencing a measure of success, but in order to steward, the more I want to do through you, I've got to lessen some things in you and get some things off of you. <laughs> I'm not telling you it's awesome to experience, but I am t- telling you it's awesome to get through. Because it's not punishment. It's process. Let me try and describe it like this. Imagine your life is like a stock account. Okay? And all the different areas of your life are like stock, having stock in different companies. So this part of your life is like having stock in Apple. And this part of your life is like having stock in Tesla. And this is like having stock in Coca-Cola, whatever. I'm just throwing out companies. And what if, if, if you have investments, what is a wise way of stewarding your investments? Monitoring them. And when there's what's called a laggard, if you have funds in a company that is quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter, struggling and falling and becoming less valuable, and it's costing you resource, what does wisdom do? It moves the resource from the laggard into the leader right? Whatever the leader of your stock portfolio is, you take the funds from the the worst laggard and put it in the best leader that's giving the best return. Okay. What if you started to see your life like this? And what if you understood that this may be how God sees our lives? Almost like a stock portfolio. Preston, there are parts of your life which are not bringing a return on investment because I didn't ask for them. So I'm going to prune off those portions those habits and put the energy you've been putting into those things and move it over into the things I myself am in. God moves resources around in order to receive a better kingdom return. That's all pruning is. But if you see pruning negatively, you will be less inclined to open yourself up to it. So to finish this first point, to get on the same page, you have to understand pruning is not a curse, and I will prove it to you. 
not only is pruning not a curse, a lack of pruning is a curse. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 6, God's talking about pruning the vine of Israel in this instance. And listen to how he describes a lack of pruning. I will make this vine a wild place where the vines are no longer pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. Okay, this helps us understand a lack of pruning is actually a curse God pronounces. Yet many of us see the pruning as the curse. Verse comes to mind, how can two walk together unless they be in agreement? How can God and I walk together in seasons of pruning if he sees it one way and I see it antithetically to the way he sees it? I will not walk in step with him if I see what he looks at as a blessing if I look at it and see it as a curse. Pruning isn't punishment. Here's the second thing. And um, I worded this uh, the way I say it. Okay, I could have just said pruning is painful, but I didn't because I'm living through this real time. And so here's how I'd say it. Second thing we need to remember about pruning. Pruning hurts like a mother. <laughs> it hurts. It is not a, a pleasant experience to feel like you're just being chopped on by the God of the universe. And so some of us, because of the pain of pruning, we attempt to preemptively opt out of God's process so that we won't experience pain. But let me tell you what I have learned. Attempting to opt out of God's process of pruning will only prolong your pain. This, in fact, is a way that we know that, that even though pruning is painful, it's not punishment. Because when we don't go through, pain, through pruning, we experience more pain. We actually experience less pain when we embrace the pain, the temporary pain of pruning. God isn't creating new wounds. I, I want to be really clear on this because when I say pruning is painful, it can sound like God is hurting us. You need to understand God isn't creating new wounds by pruning. He's exposing old wounds. You haven't let him heal yet. This is part of why it's so painful. Because typically, when God reaches in to prune a branch in my life, uh, I love the way Jesus starts it off in John 15. He says, branches that aren't producing fruit on the vine, I just completely lop off. Here's another way to say that. A diseased branch is a dead branch. And because my father doesn't want the disease to spread throughout the rest of my life, there are times he proactively steps into my life and prune, prunes things from my life so that it doesn't create more death on other branches. If I, I want to try and illustrate this. Um, if I uh, had a water bottle um, and I, I, I won't do it with this because I'll spill all over, but imagine I had a water bottle that had no lid on it, okay? And I took the water bottle and just started shaking it, 
okay, what would happen to the water in the bottle? If I just literally started going like this with a water bottle with no lid, what would happen in the water? It'd go all over the floor. It'd go everywhere, right? That's what most people would say. If I said, why is there water on the floor? Most would say, well, because you shook the bottle. Here's what I would say. No, there's water on the floor because there was water in the bottle. If I shook an empty bottle, there'd be no water on the floor. But because there was water in the bottle, the shaking spilled it everywhere. See, many of us blame our circumstances, the being shaken as the reason something unbecoming or ungodly comes out of us. Oh, I'm so sorry I did that. I, I didn't mean for that to come out. I'm just going through a really hard time. What we're saying is I blame the, the shaking of my circumstances. If you just wouldn't have shook it by saying that to me, I wouldn't have spilled water of anger everywhere. No, the shaking only shows what is in the bottle. Difficult circumstances don't produce what is in your heart. Difficult circumstances reveal what is in your heart. Pruning hurts because it reveals the idols you love and the crutches you lean on. So let's talk about this for a sec. This episode's already going longer than I wanted it to go, but hey, I love you. I love the one who loves you and made you, and I love talking to you. So if I just start coughing up a storm, we're just going to power through. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk about idols for a second. Um, because I, I believe this. This is something the Lord showed me years ago, that when he's pruning me, he's coming after idols and crutches. So let's answer this question. What is an idol? If God's after an idol, and it's one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not have idols. What is an idol? Here's how I would define an idol. Something which your love for negatively affects your love for God. An idol is something which your love for negatively affects your love for God. An idol is something I love as much as or more than God. An idol is something I make a bigger deal than God. An idol is something I think about more than I think about. You get the picture here? And let me take you back to the 10, the big 10, 10 commandments, because God doesn't just say you must not make idols for yourselves. Listen to what he says. Verse three of Exodus 20, God says, you must not have any other God but me. Then he connects, you'll have no other gods before me with idols. Next commandment, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, watch his why behind. This is the romantic why behind. You can't have other gods or idols. Because I, the Lord your God, Preston, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Okay, this right here is how love talks. He literally is saying, Preston, I want you to know how much I love you. 
I can't stand it when you try and put anything above me. When you try and give anything more attention than you give me. See, we think of jealousy from a weak perspective because some of us have seen jealousy in weak relationships. God is not saying he's like that. What God is saying is his love for you is so immeasurable that he never wants to experience a moment of separation from you and anything which could come between the two of you and senses him. Baby, that's love. That's love. Let me help you see one of the more dangerous prayers you can pray as it relates to idols. Because in my opinion, idols are often birthed on land where weeds are overgrown. And here's a dangerous prayer. One of the most dangerous I think I've prayed, top 10 for sure. A prayer like this. Lord, would you cut out the weeds of my heart before they ever become trees which overshadow or attempt to overpower your vine? Don't pray that if you don't mean it, because he will take the snippers, the loppers to the branches, the weeds that are trying to become trees. So just know, idols typically come from parts of our heart where weeds have gone without much attention for far too long. You want to stay intimate with God? I hear it all the time. Preston, I want to be intimate with God. Monitor your weeds. Monitor the weeds of your heart. Weeds lead to idols. And idols lead to anger. I don't want anything to do with that. He's a jealous God. And I love that he's jealous and wants all of me at all times. Lord, would you cut out the weeds of my heart? that would ever try and become trees which overshadow or would attempt to overpower your vine. Let's talk about crutches. What's a crutch? Crutch is something other than God which you lean on for comfort. An idol is something we exalt. A crutch is something we lean on. There's a season of my life where caffeine was a crutch. Uh, I felt it was the only way I could accomplish everything I, I felt I needed to accomplish, which just for the young ones, especially, this is really for all of us, but especially the young ones, can I just tell you, uh, you never have to find a fleshly way to fulfill the Spirit's request, capital S, Spirit. It's impossible to actually give God something he is asking for by means of our flesh. But I was so dumb for a season. I thought, you know what? I got to work around. I feel like God's asking a lot of me right now. I can check all these boxes. I don't need to lead on him. Just give me a couple extra shots of caffeine. That's all I need. And I'll have what I need to do what God's asking me to do at work, in my family, with my friends, with my calling, with the future. Just give me more caffeine. Do you know how stupid that sounds? 
And yet, all of us, on a weekly basis, lean on something more than we lean on God. I think one of the reasons that God takes us through pruning seasons and, and pruning seasons for me are seasons where it's like nothing makes sense. I don't understand, Lord. Why, why is this happening? You know, da, 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 da. It, nothing makes sense. And I'm learning this about him. I believe part of why he takes us through seasons where nothing seems to make sense is when he takes you through the seasons where nothing makes sense, you tend to lean on the one for whom everything makes sense. And so he prunes us to cut away the idols and to tear down the crutches. Here's the third thing. As we talk about, in my opinion, kind of God's wise and the important uh, factors that lead to a God-pruned life. Point number three, pruning makes us more like Jesus. Pruning and pain are synonymous in the Christian life. And if we don't experience pain on our path, we aren't on a path. And we are certainly not on Jesus' path. Well, Preston, that is not the best way to get people to follow Jesus. I'm sorry. I followed the one who said, you want to run with me? You need to drink my blood and eat my flesh. I didn't say that. He did. He, he said the path is difficult. John 16, 33, Jesus said, here on earth, Preston, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Okay, I, I try and bring up John 16, 33 fairly consistently. And some of you might get, are, you're getting sick of it. I bring this verse up to calibrate us because some of us, when we experience sorrow, it's like we get angry at God because we, somewhere along the line, wrongly assumed that if we follow Christ, we would never experience sorrow and never have to endure trials. Nowhere in scripture did Jesus say, follow me and I'll make things easy. He didn't say that. He said, hey, you run with me. You're going to experience some really hard stuff. Hey, why does Jesus say that to us? Because he did. Pain was his path. And remember, he told you his why. Behind the pain of his path, he said, greater love had no man than to lay his life down for his friend. I'm going to, Jesus is saying this, I'm going to experience the pain of death being fully God and fully man. And my why behind embracing the pain of death is my love for you. So listen, and I'm not saying it's awesome all the time. He turns around and I'll personalize it so it's not as painful for you and says, Preston, I embrace the pain of death. To show my love for you, will you experience and embrace the pain of these trials and sorrows to show your love for me? I'm not telling you that I understand it all or that I love it all. Hebrews 5.8, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. That means if I follow him, I'm going to experience suffering. 
And if I don't experience suffering, how can I make the case? I'm on the same path as the suffering savior. Just a little note to remember, I'm bringing up some dangerous prayers, not to tell you not to pray them. I'm actually challenging you to pray them, but being honest with you, what happens if you will pray them? Every time I have prayed this prayer, which to me is the number one most dangerous prayer anyone can pray, make me more like Jesus. Father, make me more like Jesus. In my opinion, is the most expensive and extravagant prayer a human can ever pray. And every time I have prayed, make me more like Jesus, God almost immediately asked me every time to either lay something I love down or pick something I hate up. This is how he prunes. But this is also how he fashions us more and more in his image, in his likeness. I, I am someone who doesn't just want to be made in the image of God. I want to be made more like him every day of my life. But I will tell you, that is a dangerous prayer to pray. And his response might, might be so fast that it renders you speechless and takes your breath away. And one of the things he reminds us when we pray that prayer, Preston, pruning requires submission. The pruning of a child of God requires the child of God to be submitted to God the Father. And if you think you run your life, here's what I know about you and pruning. You will almost always, if not always, run from the pruning process. But to try and remind you why I don't think you should run from the pruning process, let me take you back to Joseph. And I don't have time to read all the passages, so I'll just kind of remind you of the, the lowlights and highlights of Joseph's story. At a young age, God's, God tells Joseph, I've got my hand on you. And I'm going to do some really, really big things with you and through you. And Joseph, being early on in the process without much pruning having, having taken place yet, Joseph gets a little cocky. He starts bragging to his brothers. And very quickly, God introduces Joseph to the pruning process. In my opinion, the first place Joseph is pruned is in the bottom of that pit. Typically, <laughs> here's how we talk to God when he's pruning us. Okay, Lord, just do everything you have to do. And then what we're really kind of saying is, I'm never going to need to be pruned again. And Joseph might have been thinking that while he was being pruned in the pit. But then he gets out of the pit. He ends up, uh, it's alleged against him that he made advances 
uh, on his boss's wife, who was essentially the leader of the free world at the time. And he didn't do it. But apparently, there was still more pruning needing to be done. Because now Joseph finds himself not in a pit, but in prison. He goes from the top of the heap back to the bottom, shackled in a cell. But here's what I would say. There was a divine why behind God's pruning of Joseph. And remember, remember this for you, there always is. When God prunes us, there is always a divine why. And if you are presently experiencing some pruning, I just want to encourage you. Joseph's pruning in the pit and in prison prepared him to steward the power he would have in the palace. Don't quit the process. I know prison sucks. I know the pit is awful. But don't get so focused on your where that you forget about God's what. Let me say that again. Don't ever get more focused on your where than God's what. Joseph's pruning prepared him to steward the power God was going to ask him to steward in the palace. And if the goal is for people to see Jesus in us, then the vine dresser must put us through the same process as the vine. <laughs> I think sometimes I just think everybody would much rather me like give you sugar sticks instead of just say, this is the way. Pruning is the way. Pain is the way. But it isn't just his way, God's way of doing things. It's the way to produce what God wants to produce in us and through us. That brings us to the fourth thing. Pruning brings, brings God pleasure. It's another why behind God's pruning process. God prunes us because pruning brings God pleasure. Preston, okay, I don't like this at all. If this is true, I don't like it. You mean God loves pruning me? Oh, absolutely. Get the picture. My countenance, when God prunes me, is grimacing in pain. God's countenance, when he prunes me, is grinning in pleasure. <laughs> Let me make sure you understand this. It, it's not my pain that brings God pleasure. My pain, your pain, does not ever bring God pleasure. My pruning brings God pleasure. And my pain brings him glory. Why did Jesus stay on the cross and endure the pain all the way to the point of death? His love for the Father, his love for you. Those were his wise. Pain is what we experience when we walk in love. 
Why doesn't so-and-so just tap out? Look at everything they're going through. Lost their marriage, got cancer, lost their job. And they say about this person, why don't they just renounce God and die? And here's the answer. Because they won, the one they love has asked them to keep going and promised to go with them. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, give us a little bit of a picture of God's pleasure as it relates to pruning. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. Watch this. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Notice this. The pleasure of God is connected to the production of fruit. God is pleased when we produce fruit. But how do we produce fruit? We started there in John 15. The production of fruit is preempted by the pruning of the branches. Why does God enjoy pruning? Why, why does pruning please him? And this is one of my favorite one-liners in this episode. The work God does in you and on you is essential to what God desires to do through you for his glory. Philippians 2.13, show it to you. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. When God prunes your heart, it always produces the desires of God's heart. See, we do a lot of talking about the desires of our heart. The work God does pruning our heart, pruning my heart, always produces desires of his heart in me and through me. And that leads us to point number five. I think another reason why God is so pleased with pruning, and therefore it's one of his biggest whys behind pruning, is point number five. Pruning makes room for more of him. Pruning makes room for more of God. Keep going in John 15 now in verse 3. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Watch verse 4. So he's talking about pruning. But he's not just talking about pruning. Because in this run, he covers two other really important relational aspects. Verse 4. Jesus says, remain in me. And I will remain in you. He talks about abiding. An essential part of friendship, intimate friendship, is abiding, remaining in him. And we cannot produce fruit apart from him. So see, all of us love to produce fruit. We love it. Like we, we want to be successful. We see 
producing fruit as being synonymous with being successful. And it's amazing to me that Jesus, loving us so much, says, yeah, Preston, you have an innate desire to produce fruit. That was one of the commands given to man. Be fruitful. Preston, I put that in your heart. You have a desire to be fruitful, but I've also set it up in such a way that the only way you can be fruitful is intimately connected to me. Because <laughs> I love this. I mean, two things can be true at the same time. And two things can be done at the same time. I can produce fruit and we can draw near. But I can't produce fruit when we aren't near. When I'm not remaining in him. Let me, let me try and kind of illustrate this. All right? Uh, because some of us, because we see pruning as a negative thing, we think about what is lost when we're pruned, not what is gained. Okay? Think about the last time you moved. All right? And let's say you hadn't moved for like a decade um, of living in that house. And over 10 years, you're just amassing more and more stuff. And without even realizing it, you're, you're kind of hoarding just a little bit. Uh, what do you do? If you don't want to pay the exorbitant fee to move all of that stuff, what do you do? You sell it. Whatever you want to get rid of, you have a garage sale, right? Think about pruning like this. Whatever God prunes is the junk in the garage sale nobody else even wants to buy. See, my favorite thing about a garage sale is I don't tell the people, and I've actually, I don't think we've ever done a garage sale, but I love this about a garage sale. I, I would just get rid of it. I'm actually, you're paying me to come get rid of stuff I don't want anymore. But I don't understand why we don't see pruning the same way. In a garage sale, everything which is sold is lost. Sure. But we wanted to lose it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be selling it. Here's another way to see this, an even deeper way. Everything we sell is a sign it can be lived without. Here's what's funny about a garage sale. There was a day when some of the stuff you're selling in your garage sale was a non-negotiable, no one in your family can touch it, and we will never get rid of it. And 12 years later, it's at the bottom of the heap at a garage sale, and no one even wants to buy it, and you can't pay somebody to get rid of it. Okay, how do you see what is lost in pruning? Do you see it as something you lament over? God's stealing from me. No, no, God's getting, getting rid of the junk you don't actually even want. You've just gotten too comfortable with it. I've gotten too comfortable with it. It's just junk at the garage sale. And why do we have a garage sale? It isn't just to get, a, to get rid of old stuff. It's to make room, more room for the new stuff we're going to be obtaining in the new season. That's all pruning is. Pruning is one of God's divine compliments to say, hey, before we go into this next season, let's clean up some of this stuff around here. We got we to... Gotta, Chop off some of this overgrowth. And I love you too much to let this start taking over your life, Preston. Here's 
how I would say it. Less of them, that, and those makes more room for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This essentially is the principle of fasting. Going without always makes room, more room, for the one we most want to be with. And pruning is one of the ways God confirms he is most present. When Holly and I were gardening for a season, we had a friend, shout out Matt Birkenfeld. Uh, Matt was a worship pastor here and uh, grew up on a farm. Parents were farmers. Um, pretty sure came from a long line of farmers. And so we built huge garden beds in our backyard. And we had, I mean, all kinds of vegetables, uh, mostly vegetables and not many fruits. And uh, one of the things I learned about pruning fruit trees and shrubs and vegetable vines is you don't use the long loppers. You ever seen those long loppers to like reach into high trees? You know, they, they can be two or three feet long or they, they can be on the end of something that's like eight or nine feet long. Okay, here's one of the things I love to remind myself when God is pruning me. God never prunes with long range loppers. He always prunes with the short shears, the little hand shear. He gets so close. And I, I did not understand this when I was younger. It's taken, it's taken some years of walking with him to really start to feel safe when he prunes. I still get a little frustrated, but I feel safer when he prunes. And it's because I can sense him drawing even near to cut off the thorny branches, the dead branches of my life. Pruning is always one of the ways God reminds us and confirms to us that he is present. That brings us to the last thing that I really want to put on your radar about pruning. And I believe it is um, most certainly one of God's biggest whys behind pruning. Pruning is a super producer. You ready for my favorite one-liner in this episode? Here it is. Pruning is the necessary act of spiritual subtraction for the sake of supernatural multiplication. Again, not telling you I love it, but I love what it produces. Isn't that funny? No one. Like I, I've, I've been in many prayer circles over my, uh, throughout my lifetime. I've never actually heard anyone pray for a season of pruning. Oh God, please prune me. I've never heard that prayed in public. Please, oh God, would you draw me into a season of pruning? Never heard it. Nobody prays for a season of pruning, but everybody's praying for a harvest. Only pruning can produce. See, those who idolize comfort will reject the pain of pruning. And those who reject the pain of pruning will never, 
ever know the fun of producing more fruit. One of the things I love about John 15, before I read you this verse in Hebrews 12, is there's a sequence apparently to fruit that we see in John 15. No fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Watch this in Hebrews 12, verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Now remember, punishment and discipline are not the same thing. Punishment is what a jailer does to someone incarcerated. Discipline is what a father does to a child he loves. All right, so we're not saying punishment and discipline are the same thing. Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful, bro. Preston's paraphrase. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. In what way? The path of discipline, the path of pruning. John 15, 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. This brings great glory to my father. Let me try and just make this statement, these two sentences I just read you from Jesus, even more personal. Hear what the vine dresser is saying. Now personalize it just like I want you to. Preston, because you're walking with me, you are producing a measure of fruit. And I'm so proud of you. You used to produce no fruit when you were apart from me. And as you're getting older and you're walking with me more and more, endeavoring to draw nearer and nearer to me, you are producing more fruit. But Preston, I want you to understand the goal. I don't want more fruit. I want much fruit. Lord, why do you want much fruit? Because this brings glory to me. But Lord, why does me producing much fruit bring you much glory? And the vine dresser says, because you're human and you're broken and you're not perfect. And because of those things, the world thinks you are incapable of producing any fruit, let alone much of it. And one of the ways I've set this whole thing to work, Preston, I've set it up to work like this. I use once broken vessels in a fallen world to produce much fruit as they partner with me to give me whatever I ask for. Preston, this was the plan all along. Well then, God, how do I produce much fruit? And this is what he says. I need you to lay down on the operating table. Lord, I feel like I've been pruned plenty over the years. I know, and that's led to this amount of fruit. 
But Preston, I don't just want more fruit. I want much fruit. Will you lay down on the operating table and let me prune off some of these branches, lop off the dead ones and prune off these other branches in order to produce much fruit. Now, as I prayed about this episode, um, I really feel like, um, in part because I'm navigating it, but in part because I felt like the Lord gave me a burden for it. I felt like the Lord gave me a picture for, for some people who are in a pruning process right now. And um, because they haven't been through enough of these quite yet, uh, they don't fully understand what goes on during a pruning season. I spent this entire episode talking to you about what happens on God's side in the pruning process, but I didn't talk at all about what happens on the enemy side. And so I just want to lovingly submit something to you that I was reminded of and I'm being reminded of uh, in this season uh, of pruning for me. One of the easier times for the enemy to pick off a believer in Jesus is when they're being pruned by God. If you're being pruned right now, be very, very careful not to let the pain you're feeling while being pruned create an open door for the enemy to get a foothold. There have been a couple of moments where the pain of this pruning process for me, I, I just lamenting to the Lord and even to my board and the Lord just going, hey, be careful. Be careful, Preston, you're hurting right now. Be careful. Don't open a door for the enemy to get a foothold in your life, which will then create a stronghold that wreaks havoc in your life. So if you're going through a pruning process, just remember, there's a lot of pain during the pruning. You need to make sure you're checking in with people you love and trust. Literally just sat down with my board two nights ago and just dumped on them. Said, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm seeing. And just got it out. And, and really what I felt like I was doing, because for me, when, when pruning processes are um, of more consequence, and I don't mean like bad consequence, I mean are more weighty, I feel like the enemy tries to use it as the perfect time to bring in the cloud of darkness. And I could, I could feel it setting in. And it would come and go. And I'll just tell you, if you're there, whether it's about pruning or just a difficult season, if you're in a season where you're just feeling waves of darkness trying to wash over you, please let me tell you, the wisest course of action is to run to the people you love and trust the most and flip the lights on. Tell them everything you're feeling. Tell them everything you're thinking. Tell them everything you're wanting to do that you're not going to do. And that night, I went to bed and slept really, really well. Not because I got something out of my system, but because I merely flipped the lights on.
And it's funny how when you flip the lights on, you can always see more clearly. And some things I, I thought I was seeing because of something I was feeling, you flip the lights on and you go, nah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Because the lights are on and I can see better in the light. So if you feel while you're being pruned, you're being picked on, I want to pray a prayer right now at the end of this episode that's especially for you. I want to pray over all of us that God would prune us. And I know that's a dangerous prayer, but I especially want to pray over those of us who are presently being pruned and are experiencing a measure of pain where we just need to pray protection that the enemy would not be allowed to open a door via your pain. God, thank you for being so present. You are the very present help in times of trouble. And Lord, I pray no matter what the pruning process looks like, I first pray for my brothers and sisters who are being picked on while they're being pruned by you. God, I pray a hedge of protection over each one of them that you would not allow the enemy to access their hearts or minds while they are laying on your operating table and giving you what you ask for. I pray for a measure of peace that wins the day, that prevails in such a way that the darkest of clouds are lit up with the light of life, whose name is Jesus. God, would you be so present with my brothers and sisters who are navigating the excruciating pain of supernatural pruning? Do whatever must be done to protect them and the, theirs, the ones they love, and all that is theirs. while they're in surgery spiritually, would you supernaturally guard and protect them? And then Lord, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters whom you have called and created to produce much fruit. And Lord, if they made it to the end of this episode, I pray for a double portion of the oil of heaven to fall upon them as they embrace your pruning process in order to produce much fruit, which brings you even more glory. God, we're going to pray dangerous prayers in this season, not reckless prayers, dangerous prayers. You are on the move. And you are coming again soon, Jesus. Would you prune whatever must be pruned in us in order that the Spirit of God might run rampant in us and move mightily 
through us. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you so much, and I love getting to do this with you and just sit down and see what God does and says. I'm so proud of you. If you're being pruned right now as your brother, I am so proud of you. And just remember, ain't none of us actually running with Jesus if we are rejecting the vine dresser's process of pruning the vine. I love you so much. I pray you have an extremely pruny week. See you next time.